1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. Brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy, and brought and with me today, I should say, um, is Mr. Samuel Lucas. Samuel, how's it going? Not too bad, thank you, Dan. Not too bad. Good stuff, good stuff. And also with us today, uh, Mr. Tyrone Marshall. Ty, how's it? How's things? Very good, Daniel. Very good, thank
0: you. Looking forward to Derby this weekend and a big Um, game for United. Feels like it's been a while.
1: Absolutely. Well, very good point, very good point. We were just talking the other day how it feels like United have not had any really, apart from maybe the Leeds game, the Ofletico Madrid match, which you, you just happen to I be away from. It, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's been quite a dull start to 2022 for United in terms of kind of the matchups they've had. But no, Samuel, Sunday, the Manchester derby, again, as we talked about last week um, in the lead to the Watford match, a lot has changed um, since the teams last met in November, which was maybe... I think this the City game and the Liverpool game were back to back, weren't they? And they were like the first real proper blows to Solskjaer's reign. Um, maybe not the result, which was only two 0 but it was such a humbling display at Old Trafford for United. They were just absolutely playing off the park, and if anything, City took um, pity with them. And now we're 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 gearing up for a rematch uh, on Sunday.
2: That's right. Well, I think that City game was, that was certainly Solskjaer's penultimate game in charge. And he, he remarked afterwards how the, the way he set up for that game, it wasn't how he wanted to set up because they were the back three. And it was almost, I mean, it was an admission of their inferiority complex, but 15 days later, he was sacked anyway. Um I suppose, I mean, my, my route into a preview coming into this game was uh, it's, while he was serving out his notice, Ed, Ed Woodward thought that United were in a better place than when, when he became executive vice chairman. Uh, yet, when he made that comment, it was remi- he was reminded of the fact that at that time, this was what mid to late January, um, that United were exactly as many points behind City, 22 points, as they were at the end of the David Moyes season. They've they've narrowed, that chasm has narrowed slightly to 19 points, but it could reopen to 22 points if, if City beat United on, on Sunday. And they, they'll they doubtless be big favourites for that game. Um, it's it's a strange one because the other week, I think it was last week, in fact, Rangnick was asked whether March would be a defining month for United. And I kind of rolled my eyes at the question because United have, have got hardly any fixes this month. I think this is the first of... Of three with the Liverpool game now pushed back to um, a midweek slot in, in April at the very earliest. In some ways, strangely, um, the, the, the Tottenham game next week is a bigger game because those two teams are obviously going for the same place. Uh, United are just not in City slipstream at the moment. That's that's not to say that it's not an important game whatsoever, of course it is. Um, it is. It's going to be quite febrile, it's going to be the first Derby, at the Etihad with uh, with supporters since I think probably the League Cup game in in January twenty twenty. So that's that's stretching back quite quite a while really, even though it still doesn't feel like it was that long ago. And United's form coming into this this derby is, you know, is, is suspect to say the least, I, I suppose is one of the one of the better words to describe it. They've had form in the past, regardless of how they, they've been going into the game of, of pulling pulling a, a rabbit out of the hat in, in, in derbies or big games. But that now has deserted them this season. So although they've not lost many games recently under Rangnick, uh, this this one it, it, you don 't have that sense of confidence that maybe United fans might have had in in October when they 'd had a couple of bad results and they had some big games coming up but you 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 weren 't too worried about them at that point because you just thought they 'd do what they always did on scale the and they 'd you know pull off performances and good results in big games and it didn't happen for them and obviously that's when it started to spiral for Solskjaer. and although they are probably a better organized side now when you look at some of the things they're doing under Ragnick, and the intent is admirable they are controlling games they are they look a more authoritative team but they're not necessarily a much more effective team and and that's borne out with with the table at the moment it's you know they, they probably as ty said i think on monday they probably should have boxed off top four if they were remotely consistent in in, in Rangnick's first seventeen games of charge, but they've just dropped so many points that, and and the strange thing is, if they drop more points on Sunday, if they lose the game, it's not as if they're in dire straits regarding fourth because it's so open there, and it will probably be open going into the final weekend of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, Ty. What are your feelings kind of ahead of this match? Um, we'll go into it a bit more later. But for some reason, I may maybe being quite naive. I feel like for me, City not been their imperialist imperialist best over the last few weeks they obviously lost to Spurs they had to labour to beat Everton only a um, a Michael Keane mistake towards the end of the match kind of got on that win there Um, even against Peterborough and it wasn't a weakened side it was a rotated side don't get me wrong but every player in that team was a seasoned international and you know they had 100 million Jack Grealish etc and so on and they only managed to you know it took them an hour to get past Peterborough who were bottom of the championship below Derby County who've had like two-point reductions um, already this season and are fighting for their lives. Am I being foolish and thinking United might actually have a glimmer of hope here, or is City just going to turn up for this game and absolutely steamroll them?
0: No, I think United have, have got a glimmer of hope. I mean, they've won the last three derbies at the Etihad. They've, they've beaten Pep City six times. I think only Tottenham can, can match that. So they've proven time and again that they're good enough to compete with City over 90 minutes. As you, I think you're right to say that City... It's obviously not a slump. The city haven't been at their very best lately. I think the Tottenham game was was arguably their poorest performance of the season. They weren't. They were nowhere near their best against Everton or Peterborough while winning both games. So they're, they're certainly not chinking their armour. But they're, it's not a City machine that are hitting five and six past teams every week at the moment. This is obviously one of those spells that you, every you know every team goes through in a season, even teams that win the league, where things are a little bit tougher for them than usual. Um, so United certainly go there with some hope. I think they'd go there with some hope if, if, even if City were playing well. As I say, their record there recently is excellent. It, that's been built on on kind of the counter-attacking football under Solskjaer. That's probably not been as evident under Ranić. Um, they're probably not as suited to the counter-attack. Certainly the wide players might be, but on, with, with, with Ronaldo leading the line, they're probably not quite as suited to, to the counter-attack as they were under Solskjaer. But I think they'll still go there believing they can they can get a result. They've... They've done it in the past against City. They've they've proved they can match them. They've got world-class players in that team. They've not been playing consistently well enough recently, even within games. They've played well within games and just not managed to to complete it over 90 minutes. They've dropped too many points, mostly through draws rather than defeats. But in a way, these sort of games might might suit them. said the same thing about Leeds and Atletico. And well, they didn't play well against Atletico, they got a draw out of it. They did play pretty well against Leeds, or still doing their best to, to throw it away. And if it's maybe ever so slightly understandable that the juices aren't flowing for a run-of-the-mill game against Watford when the season's turned into a disaster, there's no excuse on on derby day away at the Etihad. And you can pretty much guarantee you'd like to think that these players will turn up on the day. And given that, I think they go there, you know, maybe not with confidence, but I think they'll go there believing they can get a result for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that kind of Solskjaer there because, you know, he never really had a defined style or consistent way of playing at United. But he, to his credit, he did tend to get results, especially at City, but against some of the other big teams as well. He did kind of set United up the right way for them to get results there. And maybe it was an admission that United couldn't go to those teams and play like United teams have passed, could and actually dominate them. They had to kind of be more canny and try and hit them on counter, absorb pressure and that. He did well. Now, Samuel, I don't know. Like, does Rangnick kind of take a page out of Solskjaer's book going into this game? Does he copy, or at least kind of take inspiration from the counter attack sort of style, as Ty mentioned? But you know, the only big, um, kind of big team we've seen United play under Rangnick so far, to my knowledge, was Athletico, um, the other week, and he changed to a back three. Kind of, oh, he didn't. didn't, Did he He play? He played Lendlav at a right back. My apologies, but it was still a strange. He kind of pulled a weird formation out of nowhere. a bit like Guardiola in kind of Champions League finals, that sort of move where you don't see it come in. A strange one that didn't work and substitute you know, three substitutions at once was admittance of that. So do you see him maybe again sticking or twisting here? How how do you think he approaches this game, his biggest and toughest one
2: in the Premier League so far? It wouldn't be a surprise if he did go to a back three. And it, it also wouldn't be a surprise if he if he didn't because he is he is a more forward-thinking coach than Solskjaer. Um, I think at the time that City and United played in those games, I think the first time Solskjaer did it, it would have been, it would have been in that League Cup game, which was the second leg, and he had a he had a difficult balancing act to manage there because they were three-one down from the first leg, so they needed to be secure, but they needed to be attack minds enough. I think the only goal they got that night was quite a well-taken strike from Matic. And they just, it's a case of staying in the game and then maybe getting a chance on the counter or or a break. And, and and it didn't happen as far as the second goal was concerned. And again, from memory, City missed a lot of chances that evening. It, I mean, Sterling's got this woeful record of never scoring against United. And one of that, that game that night was probably one of the best examples of it, or one of the worst examples, depending on how you look at it. And then with the league game a couple of months, I think it was like five or six weeks later, um, United had a bit more momentum about them and they seemed a lot more settled in that, that, in that formation of playing against the elite with a back three. They'd had some success against Chelsea earlier in the se- season um, in the League Cup and the league. They won both those games. They almost beat Liverpool as well when Liverpool had won all their games at the start of that season. But it does feel rather irrelevant given that those games were two years ago, more than two years ago, United have brought more players. I think United can go to City with with a pretty balanced side, even though there are, there are you know, fundamental issues in that team that aren't going to be addressed anytime soon. But they've, they've got the quality in in attack to to harm City. They've, they've got to look at the fact that Ruben Diaz isn't playing and think, well, we we can't you know we can't go to a back three sometimes it just sends out the wrong signal and Rangnick's not done it from the start yet he's he's gone to a back three in game I think Wolves Wolves was um the first time he did it when when they lost but it did seem to have a reasonable impact Fernandez missed a good chance he he did it at Brentford as well when United were 2-0 up um I remember Ty at the time saying to me it's almost as if he's remanaging the Villa game a few days earlier where he said he regretted not going to a back three at 2-0. So I think it would still be a stretch for him to do it from the start. And they don't seem to have any major issues as far as injury or ailments are concerned either. So it seems like pretty much everyone significant who, who could be available is available. And I don't see any reason why you couldn't pick a reasonably balanced front six that you know is respectful of city's qualities but also you can showcase your own qualities. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see who he does pick, whether he goes with two, uh, two traditional wingers, uh, whether he accommodates Paul Pogba, whether he goes with McTominay and Fred, which has obviously been a popular selection in these games in the past under Solskjaer. And you know, Rangnick seems to like the pair of them as well. And, you know, we, we've done our panel for, for Sunday, and and spoiler alert, one of us has has dropped Ronaldo from the team altogether. It isn't me. Before anyone sends me any uh, abuse <laughs> or anything like that, it certainly wasn't. You can you can redirect that to one of my colleagues who who also isn't on this call, so that does narrow down the list. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there. It wouldn't surprise me if there's maybe a name uh, a name player missing from that front six, just to try and get the balance right. But. I, I personally would have Pogba playing off the left, Sancho off the right, um, McTominay, Fred, Fernandez, and Ronaldo. There's, there's an awful lot of individualism in that front four, which is not the way forward. Uh, we've we've all seen that. It's it's that that's pretty unsustainable. I think City are the polar opposite. It's all about the collective. But that individualism on the day might just win United the game. You never know.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I, say, I think there's some really key decisions to be made. I think. The defence, and I, I'd imagine Freddie McTominay is pretty, pretty set in stone, you know, for maybe changes at full-back, depending on who he's fancying on the day. But Ty, and it's these attacking positions that I think are the most, apart from potentially Sancho, um, I think, and maybe Fernandez. I think they're all up in the end. And I, I, I leave Ronaldo out, because as Samuel mentions that, I think that is the kind of conscientious one. He, he Randic hasn't been afraid to drop him for games in the past, or at least, you know, if not drop him, rest him and you know, not start him. He as you mentioned there, he isn't the now, he can't do the counters, he can't stretch teams. And if we watch the Peterborough game that City played, Peterborough really got a City in the first half with just long balls over the top, and I think it was uh, Jones was the player who was running in behind um and getting a quite a bit a lot of joy off Ake and Diaz, who both got injured in that game, as we said, while we playing on Sunday. And I'm not saying United can go and play youth ball and just run over the top. But I think Peterborough, even though they didn't win, they held their own for sixty minutes and they showed that City can be got at with a bit of pacing behind. If you get behind them, they're not the quickest on the turn, especially when the fullbacks are always pushed so high up. Is Ronaldo still the man to do that? Or you know, do do you maybe go for and, and I know Cavani's back and he's not the fastest either, but he does kind of have a bit more with him in the press. But do you maybe kind of put a kind of wild card up there just for a bit of pace, maybe? Or do you, Again, or do you have Ronaldo because you've got Stones who can be a little featherweight at times, and um, maybe bully him about a bit? I think, I think there's intriguing options for Ragnik there, especially in the up-front position.
0: There are, but I would be staggered if Ronaldo doesn't start, to be honest, um, partly because Cavani's just come back from injury. I can't, I, mean, I can't see how he plays Rashford through the middle. Um, maybe you'd play Rashford and Sancho out wide and and then you've got the pace, but I think you want to get Pogba into the team as well. Um, So, I mean, I I can't see that. And I think United have got different ways to hurt City. If they've got Pogba and Fernandez in the team, I don't think they necessarily have to go long. Like you say, Stones is is going to play centre-half, so Ronaldo will probably relish that battle. Ronaldo's got a point to prove coming to City. City obviously wanted to sign him in the summer. You um, can be sure he'd be fired up to win this, and I think if you know if you've got an attack of Fernandez, Pogba, Sancho, Ronaldo, there's I mean there's enough quality there to to hurt City with without needing to pick Rashford up front purely because he's he's fast. Um, you know I think they've got different ways to to hurt them. Ronaldo Ronaldo was played recently like he he feels he's losing a yard of pace, but I think he's still pretty sharp certainly around the box um you know John John Stones I think is reasonably quick but you wouldn't say he's a centre-half renowned for his pace so um so I I I mean I would be staggered if Ronaldo doesn't start I think it's a game that that might suit him purely because he's going to be fired up to to prove something he's still United's best route for goals and I think you want to get you know I, I would want the way Pogba's been playing I would want Pogba in that team I don't yeah. think Ranić will play a midfield three, including Pogba and Fernandes. I would be su- very surprised if that happened. Um, I would play the, the 4-3-3 again and play McTominay, sitting with Fred and Fernandes, pushing up and, and try and press City and, and press their defence. Um, and, and if that's the case, that means Pogba plays on the left and Sancho plays on the right and it leaves one position. And I think Ronaldo Ronaldo wins that battle hands down, even though he's not been playing that well recently.
1: Samuel, you know we, we've seen Cavani come back from injury before, and Rennick will throw him straight back in, and he likes him in these bigger games. I think I think he offers that bit of, as I said, maybe the bit more presence and a presence that maybe Ronaldo doesn't quite have. Obviously, Ronaldo um, for his leadership qualities and his obviously um, renowned stardom is obviously a presence. But I think Cavani, when he can be, you know, when he can play, when he's fit he does offer a bit of that, a bit more, maybe a bit more oomph going forward. Do you think there's any way, you know, you may be considered a back three there, that maybe Ronaldo and Cavani go again? I know we, they pl- tried that previously.
2: They, they tried it at Tottenham, didn't they, under Solskjaer and it, it, it did work. They won 3-0. The mitigation was that Tottenham sat there, coached two days later and there was like just outright mutiny um, that, was, that was going on at the, at the stadium. Tottenham were in a dreadful place at that point and I think everybody who, was, who had their Tottenham hat on in the stadium and, and even just you know, objective observers like myself and Ty knew that this was a complete mismatch and it was it was going to go nowhere. They, they should never have appointed him. Um, so, I mean, it would be, you know, It uh, doesn't strike me as a massive egotist at all, but it would still feel a bit of a jolt if he was to revert to a tactic that Solskjaer had tried, um, you know, in, in his final days as manager, really, I think three of his last four games, he went with a back three and there was some logic in it. They just conceded five goals against Liverpool. They got a clean sheet against Tottenham. Atalanta uh, played with a back three. So obviously he wanted to um, counter that, um, especially as in the first game. It was, it was pretty open and United needed a, a comeback winning that one. And then against City, it's like, well, we've played a back three and beaten them before. Let's see if we can do it again. But... As I said earlier, United had just lost that um, that that big game. Now that pretty much kept Oscar on a job for as long as it did, and when it when it deserted him, things started to spiral. I, I still think because of the fact that Diaz is out, and because City can be gettable in that area of the pitch, because Stones has he's had a bit of a hangover from the Euros. Um, you know, he's, he's had a. Quite, quite a mercurial relationship with with Pep Guardiola. He he joined City in, in Guardiola's first summer. He's had some brilliant seasons. He's had some seasons where he's he's been a bit part player to the point that you've you've assumed that he was going to be leaving, but he's still there. And th- there are days when you know he can he can still go back. He can he can still regress. And and as I said, I just I think he's pretty gettable in in general. Even though when he's on it, he's a very good centre half. And United haven't had much, you know, much experience recently of, of playing in a back three. So I still think it would be too much of a jolt for them to do that. And as for Cavani, I, I still wouldn't be surprised if he's he's not at the Lowry Hotel on on Saturday night. Um, you know, we've we've seen so many times that when a Manchester United manager pretty much declares him fit, it's not a guarantee that he's going to be involved in in, in the next game. I, I thought it was quite, you know. Quite apt, just in the training pictures on on Thursday. Um, as, as far as I saw, Cavani wasn't in any of those images. So, if you're going off that's going off that, he's he's probably going to have two training sessions at the very most before a Manchester derby, and having had hardly any training sessions the last two or three weeks. So, I think it would just be progress for United if he was on the bench, and and that could still be important because. Whoever, United, whoever Rangnick does select and he's starting eleven, United will have some pretty good attacking options uh, to bring on, whether it's one of the big names, like if, if Pogba doesn't start, which I, I don't think should be the case, I would start him, like Tyre I'd play him off the left. But if he doesn't start, there's a game-changing impact. If Alanga doesn't start, he's got form uh, for scoring goals off the bench recently, key goals as well. Uh, and if Cavani is indeed on, on the bench, that's that's a very good option to bring on. If, if Ronaldo's having another... Tricky day as he did last week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so, Ty, I'm going to press you for a prediction on the game. You, you think United have a glimmer of hope? And I think I think we all agree that it may not be quite as cut and dry as you maybe suspect. I think, especially since it's not wobble, but kind of vulnerability they've shown in recent weeks. So, how do you, how do you reckon the game's going to go? Give us a
0: score. Uh, I mean, City, pointing out the obvious here, City is still obviously the favourites, but United have been better defensively in recent weeks been creating chances but not taking them city haven't been firing on all cylinders so i'm gonna say one-one. one
1: interesting interesting samuel how about you <laughs> uh
2: i i i've said this before and i uh, i'd need to probably be a bit more consistent uh, a bit like united i suppose that sense of giving my team sheet prediction because i always go back to the The cup semi-final a couple of seasons ago i was very very confident that united would win it and then when i saw the team sheet dropped and and tweeted out simon peach said he he, he said to me at the time he said i was going to say to you um have you not been duped there because he thought the team sheet was fake that the team that Solskjaer Mm -hmm. selected for the semi-final against chelsea was that unbelievable but no that was the team and then they were obviously soundly beaten by chelsea so my pre-team sheet prediction is (laughs) is probably a a city two nil win Mm. Um, but I will, I'll I'll put my team sheet prediction in the blog. I'm sure people are absolutely uh, desperate <laughs> for that. But Ch- Chomping yeah. at the bit, I reckon. Yes. I reckon yeah. As soon as
1: those team sheets go up, the blog is going to absolutely <laughs> skyrocket. That's fair, it <laughs> actually usually does, so I'm not even taking the mic. Um, I, I do reckon a narrow City win, maybe one or two-nil, can I say? While there's vulnerabilities, I'm, I'm just don't know if United can be consistent enough over 90 minutes to really take advantage of them, but I think it's certainly interesting. I think it's the more... It's the most interesting that derby's looked for quite a few years, actually, and maybe since um, before the pandemic when we had those games when McTominay scored that screamer, which was you know, quite quite a moment in that. I think that might have actually been the last match I was in the office for. It's actually crazy. Oh man, what a time yeah, to it be would alive. have been! Yeah, yeah, um, it would well, have been. Yeah. Well, doesn't time fly when you the world is absolutely falling to pieces all around you? Right. Let's um, look forward. There um, the a bit of news kind of this week. Um, is uh, the United investors call was on Tuesday, Samuel. John myrto, um gave a bit of an update on the manager process. You've reported previously in January that United are kind of already on the lookout and hoping to get a manager in place uh, before the end of the season. Uh, myrto said, we are now conducting a thorough process for the appointment of a new permanent manager who will take charge this summer with the objective to get us back to challenging for those domestic and European titles. Um, short and sweet. Um, For me, it seems weird. We know that Ten Hag and Pochettino are kind of like the leading candidates, and they are pretty, you know, almost um, uh, uncharacteristic of United to be going for such uh, sound, um, sound logical appointments. But both are in kind of high-profile jobs. Both are still in the Champions League. Both competing for league titles. To me, it, it seemed mad for them to kind of upset their apple carts to. Announce any move before the end of the season. You know, United have made that. You know, we know that they want to get it done before then. So, how's it going? Do you think? And you know, what's maybe the likelihood of one of those two, with some alternatives being linked this week that don't seem quite as realistic.
2: When I did that story, I couldn't get it firmed up whether that if they did get to the point where they had a manager, where they do an announcement like City did with Guardiola in twenty sixteen. And Pellegrini, retrospectively, said that he, he regretted that. He felt as though it had an impact on, on City's form in that running. I mean, extraordinarily, City only finished some like a, a point above uh, United. And United were under Van Gaal and were in disarray. And people were threatening not to renew their season tickets if, if he wasn't sacked. Uh, whereas City just seemed like a, a pretty superior side, but but they weren't. It was pretty close between the teams at that point. So I, I'd still be slightly surprised if there was an official announcement that this manager, as you say, Ten Hag and Pochettino, they are they're contractually bound. They're they're both out of contract. I think next year, um, as you said, they've they've got a hell of a lot on their plate. As it is, uh, PSG have got the next Champions League game against Real Madrid next week. Ajax uh, are in quite a you know, testing tie with with Benfica now because that that first leg ended two two, and it's pretty tight at the top uh, in the Eredivisie. Uh, Ajax lost to I think it was Go Ahead Eagles last week, so their their lead has now been trimmed to two points, and, and PSV just behind them there. So that could you know that that could still end up in a in a tricky run in for them, even though they've been quite dominant in, in in Holland in recent years. But United really do need to have someone in place a little bit like with with Moyes I mean Moyes was obviously not the answer but they, they did get him in well they announced it early but then they didn't have the prudence to actually pay out uh, pay off the rest of his contract Everton so that he could start working as soon as possible and th- the crazy thing there was that rather than just like actually be proactive about it Moyes was just far too respectful of his contract even though he wasn't doing anything from mid-May to late July last six weeks about Everton deal because it's the summer you're on holiday there's no there are no games at all or anything June's June's the the, the only month or year that you have off and he literally did not do any um due diligence or planning in regards to uh, working for Man United it was almost as if as soon as July 1st came along he thought right I'm Man United's manager now I'll go in and let's let's see how we <laughs> let's see how things go. And they they, they obviously went terribly. Didn't go well. Um, <laughs> they, they they can't do that uh, this time. And back then, they seemed to be in a, a good place. I think that some of us at the time kind of called that squad for what it was. But that, where they just won the title, there was a lot of um, positivity around the place. And I think a lot of people had the wall pulled from over their eyes. But that's not the case anymore. Uh, it's a markedly different Manchester United, and I think they're only about 154 days until the start of next season, which just doesn't seem very far off at all. And they've got a hell of a lot to do in that period in terms of appointing, uh, identifying, then appointing a new manager. Uh, players who are coming out of contract, they'll be left leaving, Sorry, so you need to offset their, uh, their departures with replacements. You've got to sell players who are under contract as well. Um, You you want as much done before the start of the season, but the season starts on the 6th of August, which is different from the norm because of the World Cup starting in November this year. So it's an early start. Um, The window, I think, will will still go until late August. But I I think it's unrealistic for United to expect or want to have done all their business and all their squad preparations for the start of the season. That will rumble on. I would imagine well beyond the start of the season, but as far as the manager is concerned, uh, that the very least they can be doing is conducting the process there. Um, I, I still don't think it should be too difficult to to get one of Pochettino or Ten Hag. It just depends on which one United want. Pochettino wants that job. United wanted him for the job. They still want him for the job. He he remains the, the probably the favourite. Um, it's just a question of of compensating PSG and how much that's going to be. But Roy Keane was right with what he said last month. If you're you've got to be prepared to pay big for a manager, I've I've always found it very, very odd um the cost cutting that goes on at some clubs in terms of managerial hires, as if the manager isn't as important as, as a player. Like if you're gonna drop 40 million or 35 million pounds on Donny van der Beek or 80 million pounds on Harry Maguire, you should be prepared to make a serious investment. In the manager especially if you're united and you, you're at the risk of going five years without a trophy uh, if, if they don't win the champions league which nobody's really expecting them to it, it will be the most unsuccessful period in the club's history uh since that nine-year period between 68 and 77 then in that period they got relegated so you know it's it's, de- it's pretty desperate times and they've they've got to get these key decisions right and they've got to get them right quite quickly as well
1: yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, as, as you say, there. It's a massive decision. Perhaps one of the most important ones. United, um, you know, the powers that be will make. Sometimes I think if a what a fourth, a fifth, fifth, and fourth managerial appointment in a row kind of doesn't go right, tie it's going to be, you know, it's going to keep just setting United back further and further. When the teams like City and Liverpool are just seem so well organised, and you imagine that when the likes of Klopp and Guardiola come to leave at some point. They've. You'd imagine they've already got a succession plan well in mind. So United need to make their mind up pretty soon. And for you, for you, you know, Pochettino, hag both are interesting options. For me, I think if they can get Pochettino, you know, he's clearly the the best man for the job. Of already Premier League experience now has trophies to his name after being at PSG. I'll buy just. Uh, I think just the French League Cup or French FA Cup last year, whichever one it was, Coupe de France perhaps. So for you, for you, which one? Which one's the kind of better option?
0: Uh. I don't think there's an awful lot in it, maybe just about Poch. I think in, in terms of this summer they're the best two candidates available. Um, I mean that is where, you know, you mentioned their Klopp and, and Pep going. I mean, that's what they need they need to have they need to be taking advantage of that basically. They both those clubs might have a succession plan. But City have been built with the sole intention of getting Guardiola. So when he goes, there is inevitably going to be some you know, some some teething issues there, whoever the replacement yeah.
1: is. Definitely.
0: Liverpool, I think, after Klopp, are probably going to have a tough season purely because of the you know the emotional energy he invests in that team. I think you know, it, it'd probably be genuinely heartbreaking for a lot of that squad when he goes. I think with the City squad, when Pep goes, there might be some that are glad to see the back of him because he's obviously very difficult to work for. Get a rest. But, yeah, exactly. They'll get a rest. <laughs> but I think both of those clubs, no matter how good his succession plan is, and it'll be better than United's in 2013, they're, they're still going to have some kind of issue. I think what United haven't done with those four previous managers is appoint the best person available. Maybe with the exception of Mourinho, maybe hindsight is telling us that, that he was on the, on the way down, maybe. I think Van Gaal was a manager who was past his best when United appointed, appointed him. Moyes and Solskjaer clearly were not the best managers available for the job in 2013 and 2019. They, they've signed the best players they can get, but not appointed the best managers they can get, which is, is madness, really. And that's what they need to do this time. Um, I don't think it's a huge amount between Poch and Ten Hag. I think Ten Hag plays exciting, progressive, modern football. Got a great Champions League record. But like Samuel said, Ajax lost to go-ahead Eagles. They're making hard work of winning a title. They should win easily. Um, and he's coming... The, the, the leap from Ajax to Manchester United cannot be underestimated. I... We were, it's quite funny. We, we and Samuel were talking about this on the phone, just for the podcast, when we realised we should probably actually save it for the podcast and <laughs> go for, for the next manager. And I mean, I would go, and I don't think this is realistic personally, but I would go for Luis Enrique after the World Ooh. Cup and try and get him and maybe get Ranić to stay on for another six months. I mean, I don't think United are going to win the league next year, so I don't think it, it would particularly matter. Um, you know your target should be 2023 when Pep goes, maybe 2024 when Klopp goes. And in turn, I think he just ticks a lot of boxes. Having managed Barcelona very successfully, he's managed Roma where the spotlight is is pretty fierce in Rome. He cut, you know, he picked a Spain squad for the World Cup. We're not a single Real Madrid player in it. He axed Ramos as a player. He ran his contract down at Real Madrid to join Barcelona. There's, and he plays very progressive football. And crucially, there's no way he's going to walk into Old Trafford. And be surprised at the size of the club or the glare of the spotlight he's been there and done it as a player and a manager which i think is is pretty crucial united clearly need a strong hand on on the tiller and as good a manager as ten Hag might be he's never come into a club and had to deal with egos and players that that, that are the size of united mm-hmm. and, and the brand the yeah, brand 100%. of players that are the size of united and i think enrique would, i think he ticks a lot of boxes maybe you know, with language. English or not, But you know, his team great football. The is, Chief is Barcelona. I mean, it's uh easily the most successful season since that. Um so I think he picked more places for me than what's well, I am not sure it's realistic um whether you know he could be tempted. Well, I, I think he probably could be tempted back into the club game after stage. So whether he was concerned, I, I don't know. But uh, you know, if I was making a decision that United, this is a strong argument, then I would be exploring that as a possibility, definitely. Because I don't think, you know, you need to appoint the best manager available. And if you need to wait until December to get him rather than the summer, long term, I don't think that's going to matter. You'd rather do that and have a greater guarantee of success with Pochettino, with um, Enrique, sorry, than appoint Ten Hag or Pochettino, where I think that the best manager is available this summer. But I think there are questions over both. I think there's an element of a gamble over both. I think that's less the case with Enrique. So I wouldn't see it as an issue waiting six months to get someone who could be there for six years. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, that's interesting. I do, I do think I'm a bit more concerned about that gap than you, I think. I do think keeping Ragnik on for longer does that. While Ragnik's done a decent job, he's clearly not from kind of leaks with her and stuff. He's clearly not... and. Players are enamoured with him, shall we say, or at least that's what it seems like. I'd be worried that if you leave him there for another six months, does Enrique even want the job with what United may be in six months? You know, maybe Rangnick would be a lot better after a summer with his players and actually drill it into them, etc. So on. But they didn't back Rangnick in January to get any of his own players. I don't think they'd, if that's the case, they're probably not going to back him in the summer to get any of his own players unless the board want Rice or something along those lines or whoever they can get. So I, I think I'd be a bit worried about that wait personally. Um, but I do think the point of like needing someone with a reputation, someone who players will respect, is really important because I think we've seen now over the last five years and well, ten years it is now every manager that's come in has kind of had this. They've been the same story every time of you hear rumblings of not liking training sessions or losing respect for the manager and all that sort of stuff, Samuel. And that's something that really needs to be addressed. The, I know the players seem like they need someone who can kind of massage some maybe overinflated egos here and there, and. That's why I do. I do think the Ancelotti links these days have been interesting. I don't think it's going to happen. Is why would he leave Madrid at this current moment? And they unless they want someone else. But again, who's there? Maybe he gets sacked if they eliminated PSG uh, in the Champions League. But I don't, I don't say uh, as we said before this podcast again something else we maybe should have said. I don't think there's much in Ancelotti. I don't know if he, he's not one of he's think he's won four league titles in twenty years managing the best clubs, so he doesn't strike me as someone who'll get United back to the top of the Premier League either. But um, but I do think there's an important for a strong personality and a, a big respectable name that players will immediately get. And I don't know if you get that with Ten Hag, but I'm pretty sure you get that with Pochettino. i um, kind of quickly now because we're kind of running out of time. Like, who who's your kind of personal pick for the job? Uh,
2: mine would be Enrique, but I, it's just not realistic. He's I really cannot see him walking away from from Spain on the eve of, of the World Cup. It would be remarkable if the Spain coach was to pretty much walk out or leave his post just before the World Cup again. It happened with Julen Lopetegui in 2018 when he agreed to join Real Madrid. And then I think, was it a day or two days before their first yep. game against We're Portugal? He was, he was sacked and you had Bolton legend Fernando Hierro taking over um, for for that campaign. So I, I just don't see that happening, and and the familial situation with with Enrique is is, is important to consider as well. Uh, the sad case when his his daughter died a couple of years ago, and he obviously had to take uh, some some time away from from the Spain the Spain job before going back to it and and managing them and and doing pretty well at, at the Euros. I think at the way Spain are playing in that tournament. Anyway, they seem to get better and better. Um, they're still a work in pro progress, but you know, they, they they got to the semi-finals. I think they could have quite a good World Cup under under Enrique. He's he certainly, as Ty said, he's he's made some very brave decisions and bold decisions there. He's brought through some exceptional young players. Uh, I think he does tick every box as far as United are concerned. And if they could clone Enrique, they that that would be ideal. But you know i i just don't really see it happening at at this stage unless something drastic changes i would be surprised if it's not if it's anyone other than Pochettino and ten hag and i suppose that's where you have an element of sympathy with united because i don't think they've got any choice but to appoint a permanent manager before next season i think if they stick with rangnik as as interim for the start of next season they they're just lands in the slaughter people accuse them of not being serious enough about Um, wanting to be successful, keeping an interim manager at the start of the season. How often has has that happened? Has that happened before in the Premier League? I'm I'm, I'm struggling to think an an interim appointment is usually, I mean, that's rare in itself and it normally happens mid-season, as you've seen with United, but it's mid-season until the end of the season. But if there was a guarantee that they could get Enrique from you know D- December and and next season he comes he's parachuted in halfway through then you know I, I think a lot of people would would be on board with that idea but you are probably still tossing off next season but realistically as as Ty said I don't nobody's really expecting them to be title challengers next season that that squad which at the start of the season and and even now it's it's probably better than. Um, th- th- than, than we've seen for, for much of the season. But it's getting to the point where when, when you just consider the players who are out of contract, when you consider the players who want to leave, when you consider the number of individual situations where you conclude that they've got to go towards the exit, th- that squad probably needs dismantling in the summer, which is a massive about turn from the start of the season. But that's, that's just a reality of... What's what's gone on this season, how much they've underperformed and some people have outstayed their welcomes there. And there are so many nuances with a lot of individuals there that it's very, very difficult to even, you know, you'd probably s- struggle to assemble a match day squad of United players who are absolutely definitely staying at the club next season just because of what's gone on this season and um, various individual situations there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll um, be sure to keep you all up to date with any developments in Manchester United. Search for manager. And of course, on Sunday's big Manchester derby, we'll have all that covered right over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester United. And of course, you can get all the latest updates and links to stories and whatnot over on Twitter at Man United MEN and on Facebook at Manchester Evening News forward slash Manchester United. Well, thank you everyone very much for listening and we'll be back uh, next week on Monday, no doubt, to dissect and hopefully potentially celebrate and maybe well lament um though whatever happens at the derby uh, but we will be here we will be talking about it and we hope you'll be here too so very thank you very much for listening